Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 179 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Matt and Zach. What's going on, gentlemen? Uh, Starting off, I guess, before Zach jumps in here, record-wise, Evan and I went 6-6 six and six for the week, and Zach went 7-5. and five. That puts Zach in front, uh, 121 wins, 130 defeats. I'm at 121.31, and then Evan's 118.133, so still tight there in the pick'em race. But uh, game-wise, speaking for me personally, it went really well if we include the Champions League. I'm glad yeah. we're recording today now that I can get those worries out of my system. So uh, two wins in a row for Chelsea, first time since October, and we also scored three goals in those games with two clean sheets, so I can't really complain on that front. No, definitely not. Um, I think things this week went a little bit different um, for Zach, but we're not far from from getting to that. Um, Okay, I guess we'll jump right in. Um, First game of the week. Well, first two games. We had two games on Wednesday, March 1st. Arsenal versus Everton and Liverpool versus Wolves. Both of the favorites taking three points in this one. For Arsenal, the scoring didn't get started until... Um, <clears throat> the end of the first half, Bukayo Saka with a goal in the 40th, Gabriel Martinelli um, in stoppage time of the first half, Martin Odegaard with a wonderful goal in the 71st, uh, and then Gabriel Martinelli added another in the 80th. Once the first goal was scored for Arsenal, the floodgates absolutely opened. Uh, I was a bit worried that maybe we'd have a similar performance to the way that we played Everton last time. Of course, we know how that one ended, Arsenal dropping points, losing 1-0. Uh, to them at Goodison, but we were able to get all three points here with performances out of pretty much everybody uh, in the in the front three. Uh, Trossard taken off, but Martinelli and Saka both had fantastic games. I think Jorginho uh, and Granit Xhaka both had great games as well, and then uh, Zinchenko just continues to be extremely impressive, uh, if you ask me. I think he's really up there with some of the best defenders in the world. I mean, he's he's in the midfield. He's playing extremely good defense. Um, I can understand. Some people say he's a bit of a passion merchant. I think that's probably fair, but I'd rather my guy play with passion than play with skill and no passion. Uh, I, I really don't have an issue with that whatsoever. So if we're going to be able to you know, perhaps win the league with a team that ju- is just bought into the system, then I don't really give a fuck, to be honest, because Arsenal haven't won a Premier League uh, since, I don't know, what was it, 2004? Uh, it's been a extremely long time. Uh, on the Everton side, really disappointing performance again. They lined up how they always do, the 4-5-1. Uh, with Idrissa, uh, Ducore, and Onana in the center, Neil Mopai up top, and then McNeil and Iwobi on the flanks. None of those players really got it going. I, I don't really think that's anything that surprises uh, the general public. This is just not an Everton team that is set up to score. And the you know Ramsdale and the boys were able to secure a clean sheet and a bit of a shaky period. Uh, so hopefully this one and then the performance we'll talk about against Bournemouth uh, will get us back to our winning ways. So 4-0 to the good, uh, and I thought a, a very enjoyable watch, you know. Zach, what are your, your thoughts on Everton? Because I know when, uh, when when I talk to you, we always talk fantasy-wise because it's competitive in there, but you've been riding with Pickford the last couple weeks, and it hasn't worked out to the best for you, right? Uh, well, I mean, first off, I, I guess I've been upgraded 
from guest status to co-host, so I'd like yeah, to congratulate you, myself on that. You're definitely probably the most reoccurring guest. You're you're almost up to like Jeremy status there as like an official co-host. Right. But anyways, I digress. Uh, Everton, they just give up too many goals, especially in these big games. Not enough clean sheets. Um, but that's my stance. He asked me about Pickford. Other than that, they were just outclassed, outmanaged, outperformed. Some yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that Arsenal can't really put a foot wrong. We'll get to the Bournemouth game, but I mean, there's days here like this match we're talking about where they absolutely just let loose and everybody's everybody is showing off in front of the home stand. And then you also have days where uh, they don't get off to the best start, but they still have that quality in their team and that camaraderie to push each other to their limits. And the fans are absolutely, excuse me, just fully behind them. And there's no negativity, it seems like, at the moment. But, yeah, everybody sees the light at the end of the tunnel in a way. You only have 12, 12 games left on the schedule with a five-point gap above your competitor there. So I think people are starting to slowly... And well, I shouldn't say slowly. They're they're starting to fully buy into the to the opportunity of winning the league. Truth. Yeah. Uh, quickly before we move to the next, I'll hand that one off to Matt. Um, I will say Everton. There are reports coming out that Fahad Mashiri uh, will not be selling the club, and that was the word uh, on the street. Ooh. That's what a majority of the the journalists who are who are plugged in uh much more plugged in than we are um you know we just re-report what the others report but the word is that that he won't be selling the club so uh that is extremely troubling i don't know if that comes off the back of their somewhat less troubling form as of late compared to maybe a month or two ago when um dice wasn't there or what but to me, it signals the fact that he's confident they will stay up and he will be able to collect the TV and you know that sort of money that you get for retaining your position in the Premier League. But I just don't think it's that cut and dry. I really I don't think they're safe. Uh, they're still in the drop right now. Um, I don't think they're even close to safe because I think the gap between that team and then Leeds and West Ham and Leicester and even Nottingham Forest is... I, I think there's a huge gulf between those two teams, and I'm curious, you know, do you guys feel the same way, or, or do you think that, you know, they will attain safety and they'll, they'll be okay? I, I just, I think Dice is better, and they're not going to get murked as much, but we just saw them get absolutely pumped, and uh, I'm just, I don't know, I, I'm still not sure. You can take that, Zach. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's too early to tell. I'm trying to look at their upcoming games. I mean, they're still, they're still out to play. They got some a mixture of teams to play. They still got United on the, on the uh, fixture list. Newcastle. Their next, their next, their next five are brutal. Right, Brentford, Chelsea, Spurs, United, Fulham. Yeah. I mean, six of them are at home, and I guess that's where they expect them to pick up his points. They are better there for sure. That's their. That's their only chance is at home. It's not to the it's not to the extent of how Forest have been this year playing at home, but um, still, that's where they earn a majority of their points. But I would say, like the t- the table in general, like twelfth to twentieth, is only separated by six points. I think we can clearly say that Villa and up are safe. Um, Chelsea turning it around at the right time, but 
yeah, I mean, Palace are dragged into this now. Wolves are trying to climb out. Forests are trying to get out of there, but when they're on the road, they're awful. And Leicester now on a three-game losing streak are right in the pits of it. So it's anybody's game. The league, There's so much time left, even with only 12 to 13 matches, and it's brutal. But I will say, you talk about us re, re-reporting stuff. I will say an exclusive. I think Connor Cody will not see the pitch again yeah. um, since... Sean Dyche is all about his Burnley lads. We've seen Michael Keane get two or three straight starts now after not seeing any type of time on the field under Lampard. So um, I think that's an exclusive there we can post. Yeah. Um, okay. Let us, uh, let us move on to the next game, handing this one off uh, to either of you, whoever wants it. Liverpool 2, Wolves nil. Yeah, I, I can do this one. Uh, yeah, it was tough. Wolves is always a tough team to play. Liverpool at home wanted a bit of redemption after that embarrassment of a 3-0 defeat on the road uh, not even too long ago when these teams played each other last. So they had they still had that ingrained in the back of their mind. We did see Nunes back in the lineup here um, after not play- starting in the previous game. We talked about how they lacked a bit of explosiveness on the wing, and uh, he definitely played his part here. Um, it was nothing in the first half, a lot of cards. Uh, we did see Priori come on in the second half. He's that's why he's primarily that's like his limitations right now that Lopetegui has with him. He only plays forty five minutes. Uh but uh Van Dyke on a set piece, heads it on goal, uh gets saved and then Jota back across. Van Dyke scores uh very towering presence. Uh and then we saw Mo Salah not too long later double that lead from across from Shamika. So pretty standard two no win for Klopp here. Big one there. Still on the track. They're on a five-game unbeaten streak, uh, up to fifth now with a game in hand behind Spurs, only by three points, uh, and they have a much better goal differential. So uh, if they can win that game in hand coming up soon, they'll be right there back and forth. So uh, they've come a long way in such a short time in a way. Uh, The narrative is so quick to change from every single game. Uh, And we already mentioned from a Wolves perspective, they're still in that relegation scrap, but they're looking a lot better than their competitors in that area of the table. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Quickly, I mean, what I want to say is Liverpool, their form as of late, I mean, they've got four wins in their last five, the other result being a draw, so they're unbeaten in their last five. Good. I mean, impressive. It's a a serious jump in form compared to the way they played at the beginning of the season and even into those middling parts. Um, The defense, to me, still doesn't look like it's fixed. Uh, it's, I'm not impressed still. Uh, Wolves are a team that don't score that prolifically. I, I don't think a clean sheet against them is anything to be lauded uh, or for normal Liverpool, but for this Liverpool this season that have been uh, rather pedestrian <clears throat> at the back, I think you know you really do take something from it. Then they got another clean sheet um, in <clears throat> this weekend's game. But... Um, it's it just comes down to the fact that Salah and Nunez, when they're there together, and even if you throw Gakpo in there, if all of those players have good games, they're gonna win games. And Salah has been good, I think, much much better in the past few weeks uh, than he was for a majority of the season. It's been a it's been a quiet year for him, even though he's got I think he has like eighteen contributions in the league, which is still really good. Um, but yeah, I, I still think this Liverpool team has serious problems. That midfield is still extremely suspect to me. Harvey Elliott, as he continues to develop, is going to be a player that we're going to see more and more of, which is a good thing. Um, but Fabinho and you know 
Milner, Henderson, those guys, they, they have to still go, I think. Um, and once we see a complete overhaul of Liverpool's midfield, I think they'll be right back up there uh, for, for challenging for the title. And games like this, when, when players like Elliott have good games and they're able to distribute the ball well enough to Salah and Nunez uh, and even Jota before he came off, uh, that's when Liverpool are most dangerous. That's when they're going to win games. And I think that's truly what we saw here. Zach, what do you think about uh, Jota now being back in the team regularly and now Diaz is coming back soon? Do you think having that variety up front is going to help them or is the defense really just going to anchor them down the rest of the year? I don't think the defense will anchor them down. I think having the, the fresh legs up top will, will just help them push with their with their good at even more, scoring goals. So I, I think they're just really just going to overpower teams. Or is it even later? Or is it even the midfield that everybody's been publicizing about? I think it's it, it's the formation as a whole. The way they play is has been predictable, predictable, but it's still overwhelming. So they can get away with it. Just as long as they're playing at Anfield. Yeah, and the home yeah. field advantage has a big thing to do with that too. Yeah, that does help. They'll be tested coming up uh, when they play away at uh, Madrid in the Champions League next week. They've only earned 12 points on the road this year out of 12 games, so out of their 42 points. Yeah. Very average. I mean, we do know that Liverpool, like Liverpool at Anfield and Liverpool away, are two separate sides. Um, there was a period there where they were very good going away. Um, but I think that just a lot of that does come from the momentum that you build when you have a season that starts off heavily at Anfield. Uh, you're able to essentially play with a 13th player uh, because that crowd is just, I don't, I, I truly don't know if there's anywhere in all of Europe where the fans sing as hard and as long uh, as the, the faithful at Anfield do. It is truly just unbelievable. And the more and more, you know, I I've been going. I went back and watched um, the Amazon Prime series for Arsenal, uh, and that that four nil just absolute blasting we got like middle of last season. It is crazy. Those fans just it's such an an added factor that you have to deal with, especially for younger teams. And Madrid destroyed Liverpool at home, um, but. It, it does, it's a huge thing. And if Liverpool are able to carry this form, you know, away, then they're going to have a good finish this season. I, I don't think it would surprise anybody for them to finish top four. I don't, I don't know about, about <clears throat> how you guys feel, but I think that's where they're headed. I always felt when they were down in ninth with us, speaking for Chelsea, I always felt they had a great chance to get back in. Yeah. Because just based on their attack alone, I mean, yeah. you got Mo Salah who's, you know, can bag 25, 30 goals. And you have this young town in there who's new to the league, but now we're seeing they're slowly, they're getting on a roll. They both have five goals each, at least in the league now. They're they're pumping. Yeah. So I think if you can outscore your teams, that's fine. But if you have to solely rely on their defense, it's we, we've seen with Chelsea, it leads to problems. So yeah. I, I think they're in a great position, especially with Newcastle fumbling the bag. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, <clears throat> let's uh, let's talk about Newcastle fumbling the bag. Manchester City two, Newcastle nil. A goal from Phil Foden back from the dead in the fifteenth. 
another from Bernardo Silva in the 67th were the difference in this one. 11 shots um, for the Citizens, just five uh, for Newcastle. Three shots on target, two shots on target for Newcastle. Possession went City's way, 60% possession. They controlled the pace um, and get themselves not really all that hard fought three points against the Newcastle team who have started to leak uh, a little bit. Their offensive incompetence, which we've talked about at length on this show, has started to uh, show a little bit. It's been left out in the sun. Their defense, when playing really uh, attacking football teams like City, teams that are able to not only control the possession but do something with it, um, has, has started to falter a bit. You know, Botman and Byrne and Trippier have been unreal all season. And now they're coming up against a couple of teams here where they've struggled. They struggled against Liverpool. They struggled uh, against City here. And I do think it's just a reminder that Newcastle weren't going to ever, you know, really contend uh, in this league. Their offense is just not there yet. They've found uh, probably their their real uh, midfielder in Bruno Guimaraes, but he is being courted by other teams. PSG has called uh Real Madrid has called. Uh, their defense needs him in front of them. And I think if they lose him, we're going to see Newcastle really struggle next year. But if they're able to retain Gimaresh and then improve uh, on Wilson and probably Gordon, I don't know, maybe Gordon will work out, but definitely Wilson and probably Almiron as well as two other midfielders to play inside uh, along Gimaresh, then you know it's it's going to be interesting. Um, but for city, I mean, this is back to, back to the norm for them. Rodri and Gundogan next to each other, Bowden, uh, KDB and Grealish across the, uh, midfield and then Holland up top. I think this is their best lineup in my opinion. Um, maybe outside of, I, I do think Mares is better than Foden, uh, but it's good to see Foden back. This was a, an impressive performance. And I think, uh, city are, are right back after that falter against Nottingham Forest. Zach. Yeah, I, I love uh, seeing Foden starting this team. He's he's probably my favorite guy to watch on this team. Uh, he's been dealing with a foot injury uh, since the break from the World Cup. So that's why he's been in and out of the squad from the news I've seen. But I love seeing him start. I think he he gives that offense even more creativity than it already has. And he is uh, a funnel for not only goals for himself, but goals for Erling. Holland up top, my number nine on my fantasy team. So I've been a, a half city fan this year, as much as I hate to say it, but yes. Newcastle yeah. leaking goals as well, too. After that, I mean, people want to point to the League Cup game as the, the catalyst for starting the, their downfall, so to speak. I don't think it's a, a downfall. They still have some time to recover, but we've seen uh, some cracks in the in the team, especially going forward, like you said, Evan. Yeah, yeah. this is City's first clean sheet in the league since the, the end of January there against Wolves. So they've been leaking goals every single game. Um, if you take out the FA Cup, they've been keeping clean sheets there. But uh, the competition level and the intensity isn't the same as in the league. So they're, they're doing what they need to do to keep pace with Arsenal. Um, just putting that bit of pressure every single game, needing to get the results. Uh, for Newcastle now, like that's six straight games without a win. 
they went on a three three game streak of draws against teams they should be beating in Palace, West Ham, and Bournemouth, and now they're getting two nil thumped by all the big boys in in the Carabao Cup final against United, and then also now um, against Liverpool and City. So they need to start picking up a bit of form. I think the fans are still satisfied with where they're at in the table, uh, but still. Uh, you don't want to start dropping form like this because we've seen uh, Liverpool a few weeks ago. Um, they went on a bad run, dropped to mid-table Chelsea all year. We've seen where they're at. So Newcastle aren't out of that. They have teams behind them that truly probably deserve to be above them at this point. I think Brighton definitely, with the way they played all year, deserve to be in the mix for top four. Uh, Fulham dropping off a bit now due to suspensions and injuries with key players. and. Brentford are just steadily creeping up there too. They're on a twelve-game unbeaten streak in the league, so um, they're they're not they're not out of the woods yet. Um, I think finishing seventh would be detrimental to Newcastle going to play in the Conference League, having to travel to um, Hungary, like all these <laughs> yeah. Eastern European countries on Thursday nights, and then having to fly all the way back for Sunday games against mid-table competition or even a, a like a United type of deal. It's going to kill their squad and really hurt them in the long run. So it's pretty much boom or bust. They either have to commit for this top four or they just settle for outside the conference league to just build and build the squad even. So um, it's a tough situation for Eddie Howe. We had Al Morongo on that huge streak of seven, eight games in a row scoring. And now we're seeing when that doesn't happen, the results. So it's uh, something that they need to learn from at this point and get points off teams they need to get them off of. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, okay, shall we move into Chelsea Leeds? Yeah, it's a first first Prem win. It seems like in a in a long time, but I think ideally it comes from switching the formation. We go back to a three four three, three five two, however you want to see it. Um, but three in the back in general. We push those wing backs into more natural positions to where they probably should be. Chilwell and and Loftus Cheek in this situation here. James was at the mo at the time of the game was dealing with a bit of tightness in his hamstring. Mount was uh, had an abdominal issue, so we had a few key guys out, but still uh, the guys did their job here. Fofana getting the sole goal in the game in the 53rd, assisted by Chile yeah. on a whipped in corner, which we are probably the worst corner or the worst team on set pieces all year. I don't think that's even a debate watching the amount of times a corner gets whipped in from uh, a numerous amount of people. It doesn't matter who it is. Six guys I've seen. They all, they all can't get it past that first guy on the front post. It seems like nine times out of ten, which is really frustrating. So to see that happen here was really shocking. Um, I think it was disappointing, though, the rest of that second half. We just settled for the one and packed it in, and that's what made it really scary. Thankfully for us, Leeds was very discombobulated. There was a bit of confusion on the possession during the game. And overall, they haven't looked the, be the best of uh, organization has been shown. So I think that still has to do with having to get over from losing Jesse Marsh and um, having their new manager now. He did pick that one win last week in a, in a tight game there for them uh, over Southampton. But in this game, they were heavily outmatched. And it showed in the in the result, and uh, it was nice to see. We we should have won the game three four nil. We had Havertz on a breakaway, that was saved obviously. Uh, Felix off the crossbar, and a handful of other chances. So to get that win is nice. 
but the way we played in the full 90 um, total, uh, I could have seen us definitely drop points here for sure. We've seen that happen too many times. Uh, to get that one goal was really nice. So I'm happy with the three points. Yeah, uh, I think you have to just be happy with the three points. It may not have been pretty, but it is what it is. Leeds play hard. I don't think anybody uh, will take that away from them. And I think three points is, is a great result here. Uh, <clears throat> Fafana, great header, great finish there. Uh, what I do kind of want to talk about quickly is what I saw from Chelsea yesterday in uh, in the Champions League against Dortmund. I know this is not a Champions League podcast, but uh, for them to continue their form there against the Dortmund side, who I obviously rate higher than this lead side, uh, is good. Uh, we saw Cucurella actually play really, really well there. I think yeah. if he can build some confidence playing, you know, as a center back, then I don't, I like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it won't all be so bad. Maybe the Cucurella signing isn't going to be such a nightmare after all. Um, but it is good for for Potter to be able to go home and sleep, knowing that he's going to advance uh, in the Champions League, and then also. Uh, with with three points against Leeds here, I think I think that's good. That's what you need. You have to build that sort of momentum, and <clears throat> as long as Havertz like remembers how to score goals, uh, then you guys will be fine. And I think with Sterling sort of maybe catching some form, uh, I I don't worry about Chelsea so much. So as long as those couple things you know happen, uh, I think you guys could be in better shape towards the end of the season than you are now. Yeah, just hopefully he's playing the same players, just getting that that consistent repetition going, reps, guys being familiar with each other. Yeah. Um, we're definitely going to see a, a rotation of the back five uh, solely on the center backs. You'll have Badish, he'll come in for Prem games at left center back and Cucurella for Champions League. And then you'll have on the right side Fofana most of the time, but you do have Chaloba there. Um, Koulibaly now with Thiago out for at least a month I think is going to be playing consistently there too yep. we still have Aspi coming back from concussion and um, it, as long as Reese and Chilwell are fine on the fullbacks then we'll be good but as soon as one of them go down, goes down uh, playing this formation isn't going to have the same effect so I think this formation solely rides on those guys out wide so yeah I totally agree Zach, you have anything to add at this one? No, I think if Chelsea take it one step at a time, they'll get over their allergy of not putting the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, that's no, it's it's very tough. I think it's like curing cancer at this point. Ah, uh, yeah, but you know what, Matt? It's not that dissimilar. I mean, this is at a longer. It's been a longer period, but it really isn't that dissimilar to the way that Arsenal started last season. They just couldn't score. Like they we've scored, we've scored as many goals in the league as Bournemouth. Uh, I know. And we'll get to that. That's up next. But um, they just have to score. That's it. You if you can if you can eke out one nils because the defense is actually good enough in terms of talent. Oh yeah, absolutely. Question. If you can just eke out one nil wins, then you'll start to build some confidence. You guys will play more liquid football, which is how you know they have to play if they're going to win games. And it it is truly just a confidence thing. Uh, two clean sheets on the bounce, one domestically and then one in the Champions League. Uh, it's good stuff. You just have to, you know, hope and pray that uh, that continues, you know? Uh, okay, let's move on to Arsenal 3, Bournemouth 2. <laughs> one of the worst games that I've ever watched, but simultaneously um, one of the best. 
Philip Billing uh, scored in like nine seconds. Just uh, terrible, awful. Arsenal were sleeping. He scored. Uh, Marcos Senesi finished in the 57th to make it 2-0. And then somehow or another, Arsenal found something, willed it up, got the passion, and just absolutely erupted. Thomas Partey in the 62nd finishing, a bit of a sloppy ball. Ben White in the 70th, his first goal for Arsenal. And then Reese Nelson with one of the most divine, meaningful strikes I have seen uh, in my probably past 15 years of watching football. What an absolute banger of a game. Just unreal comeback, take all three points in the final minute uh, of stoppage time with with just one of the most well-hit balls from outside of the box I've ever seen. What do you guys have to say? What did you say? On his weak on, foot. On his weak foot. 31 shots, nine shots on target for Arsenal. 81% possession. We win the game 3-2. Symbolic defending in the first half, but what a collective effort to take all three in this one. I mean, this is this is a game that will, if we win the title, this is a game that comes to mind. And I know it's Bournemouth, but being down 2-0 to any team, regardless of their skill level, quality level, position in the table... It's not easy to come back with 30 minutes to play, and they were able to do it. Zach? You can go first on this one, Matt. Um, So, yeah, I mean, giving up the second fastest goal in the league's history sucks to be against you there. Um, But having that drive to dig it in, and I think the best thing about this game was that Almost every substitute contributed something into the comeback with the Smith Rowe having an assist on the first. You had Ben White and Nelson also linking up on the second, and obviously Reese Nelson showing his class, as you mentioned, on the winner. So I think that is something to speak about the overall project and the talent in general that, that Arsenal has this year. And and it shows in the table they're they're the best team at home and they're the best team on the road this year. There's no question about that. Um, but speaking on the Bournemouth side of it, it's it's brutal, man. Having to go out there on the road to the league leaders and have the start you did, and go even going up two 0 with 30 minutes left is it just psychologically kills you when they dig in and get to get one, then they get the second, and now you're just hoping and praying that that third doesn't come because then all will be for nothing. It was all in vain. So I feel really, it's really tough for Bournemouth. This is one of those defeats that may cost them in the end to stay up. Um, Former boss, our boy Scotty P, lost his job again now uh, from Bruges after they got absolutely dismantled in the Champions League, 7-1 on aggregate. So um, crazy to think he lost his new job quicker than Gary O'Neill, who took over him um his predecessor there so but still yeah it's it's really tough for Bournemouth and for Arsenal it's like it only adds to the fire of yeah it's our year these motherfuckers are passionate I I have not seen something like this in some time Liverpool come to mind for passion as well but they're just they're they're truly bought in that's what all of this comes down to because they're thin as fuck uh, but every single player, when you put them out there, regardless of the mistakes they make, they are trying so hard, and you can see it. Zach? 
I was going to have a serious answer, but I, I was just going <laughs> to say that Arteta, this was just a front for Arteta to showcase that he has a big brain and is a tactical genius. Yeah. He purposely benched all those players so he could make those late adjustments and win this in the in the 90th minute. Yeah. I mean, if they don't get that third goal, it's like we just fucked ourselves. So, yeah. I mean... I called this at halftime. They went down two, and I'm like, he's going to make some changes. They're going to win. I I didn't see your... Dude, that would have been great money all. to make. Yeah, it would have. at least been plus 500, minimum. Yeah. Oh, it was. It was It was plus 400 when they were down 2 no at half. That's what I'm saying. That would have been a great move. When it went later, I looked at it. It was like plus 900 um, for them to even draw. So it must have been... The odds must have been substantial, you know. That, that's one of those things. If you know ball and you get a sense of the game, you just go with your gut there and take a chance. Yeah, they did. They had so many chances. I mean, thirty-one shots is fucking crazy. It's like a FIFA yeah. stat line. It really <laughs> is. That's exactly what it is. Thirty-one shots is obscene, man. And to get nine, to to have like you know twenty-seven percent of those shots or or more be on goal, it's crazy, yeah. man. And Bournemouth having the the old school FIFA kickoff glitch goal. Yeah, that is truly what that was. I, I saw that and I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Um, that ended up being the second fastest goal time, I think. In the yeah, game. yeah, it was. Yeah, Shane Long's got the first, I think, like six or seven seconds. Yeah, which is just so crazy. Shane Long, what a blast from the past that is. Um, okay, let's move on to the next. Aston Villa one, Crystal Palace nil. Uh, the only action for Crystal Palace here being negative action. Joachim Anderson with an own goal in the 27th, and then Czech Ducore with a red in the 62nd. Palace beat themselves in this one, not able to get any shots on target. They were absolutely smothered. Uh, I just took Matt's game. He'll have two in a row. Uh, they're absolutely smothered uh, by Aston Villa in this one. They'll take the three points. A uh, bit you know, disheartening to not see Ali Watkins continue his goal-scoring form. Uh, but I think a really good result for Aston Villa at the middle of the table against you know a team that is right below them. This was essentially a six-pointer. Uh, it really, really did matter, and they were able to get all three. So you won't really care about how they got it done when Iamri and his boys continue uh, to streak. You know they have two on the, on the bounce now, and they're they're coming back after that really rough three weeks there. Zach. <clears throat> yeah, you said it there, Evan. The Palace just hurt himself in this one. And looking back on it, just hurts to see the own goal and the the double yellow. They just collapsed as the game went on. They they couldn't keep up with with how Villa was controlling this one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Evan, I'm sorry to say, but like I think right now I need to check the odds um, before the end of the show. I I'm willing to put money on Palace going down. Like, oh, you're a sicko. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not kidding. They... <laughs> All right, so last the last. Oh, I'm looking at the table now. I mean, it, they're only five points clear of the drop. They did this to themselves, dude. Yeah, I know. Six weeks ago, we were talking. They were in like eleventh, maybe eight points clear, six, nine points clear, and we were like, they're on good track. They're getting good results against big teams. Yada yada yada. Good overall squad, and now it's like they're streaking. Nine games without a win, two straight games without scoring. In their last six games, they've only scored three. The only positive thing is, like, they've only given up five. So, like, they're averaging a little under a goal against a game yeah. uh, in recent form, but they, they can't score. And when I got the notification that they went up 1-0, I 
And then two minutes later, VAR kicked it off for Zaha. I was like, oh, they're doomed. Yeah. Like Villa are just that team this year where like if you give them an inch or you just give them a little bit of a chance, they're gonna they're gonna take it. So yeah, it's tough scenes from there. Uh, I'm gonna look in the odds as we go on, but still, I, I I'm willing to put like fifty dollars on that. I mean, they, there's gonna be odds. Like, go and check the odds uh, while we while we go over the rest. But I I I'm not gonna say it's not impossible. Uh, I I could see it. Uh, I just. I don't know that that's catastrophic for palace if, if they actually get relegated it's catastrophic i just wh- how i feel about it is i think southampton and bournemouth and not so much everton maybe but southampton and bournemouth i think just lose at a higher rate and they're more shit uh more often than palace so you know if, if palace get like a decent run where they go they win two games out of out of three or four then i think it, it the barriers just it's going to probably be good enough for them to stay up. But I, I don't think it's totally out of the question. I, I guess I agree. Crystal Palace are plus 650. Oh, those odds suck. No, it's pretty. They're the eighth, eighth worst. Bournemouth is. It's Bournemouth, Southampton, and Everton. They're all minus. And then it's Leeds, Forest, West Ham, who are the next three closest. I'm willing to put like 50 on that. I'm telling you right now. I mean, it's a good bet. It's really, like 400 bucks. They can't score goals. We're talking about scoring goals. We saw West Ham put four against Forest. That's not really saying much, but still. Yeah. We're seeing Forest consistently get goals in big matches here. Uh, Southampton doing what they can. They will go down, though. Everton, it's going to be tough. It's going to be just like last year. I think Bournemouth are set, too. And I would say right now, if I had to pick, I think it's between Palace and Leeds for that third spot, if I'm thinking down the road. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um. All right. Well, I guess we'll we'll move on. You've got two here because I stole yours last game. Okay. Uh, I'll go with Brighton four. We talk about four nil West Ham. Now they lose four nil to Brighton. Um, absolutely pumped. Like not even a contest. We David Moyes was in good graces. Everybody was like, okay, good, we're fine. And now it's like, oh god, we're, we're we took three steps back, not two. We took three. Like. Losing 4-0 is embarrassing, but to Brighton, who at the start of the year is like you would say is a close competitor, and now it's you're in two completely different leagues. Uh, it started with a pen, 18th minute, uh, McAllister put it away. 52nd minute, uh, McAllister again, but on the assisting end to Joel Veltman, who I believe scored his first goal in the league this year. Uh, third comes from Matoma, who definitely is top five signings of the year. Uh, got a degree in dribbling from Japan, assisted by Gross. And then 89th minute, to add misery, Danny Welbeck in, with an assist from Wenonota, um, so guy that doesn't even normally play, in garbage time. And was Danny Welbeck on the team at United when Moyes was there? Am I thinking wrong? Uh, no, he would have been there because that was I before he, he came was. to Arsenal. Yeah, he maybe one year of one year of Moyes and then a year of, was Mourinho after him? After Moyes, I think it then, was Van Gaal. Oh, it was it Van Gaal. Van Gaal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, a year and a year, I think. He was only he wasn't there for that long. But yeah, he it was... left United twenty fourteen. Yeah. Yep. So that would that was right around the time Welbeck joined uh, Arsenal. So yeah, I mean Danny Engs goes back to being invisible. We we know he has the quality to score ten to fifteen goals, but 
he's just capable as capable to go missing for five weeks in a row. So that's the risk you take with him. Uh, we've already mentioned Bowen, the year he's had. Ben Rama did start here, but didn't get to play the full 90. He came out in the 46 minutes. He came off at halftime, which sucked. Um, but it's really bad. And we, we're, there's the summer talks with Declan Rice leaving. Definitely in the summer now, after the performance West Ham have had this year. Um, he's most definitely leaving, and if they stay up, it's going to be really tough for them to build back. So um, for their end, it's brutal, and for Brighton, I mean, it's it's almost like the rich get richer, it seems like. They have a plus-14 goal differential. They've played the least amount of games. They've only played 23. Fulham above them, only one point, but Brighton have three games on them. They easily can climb into the top four. So it's going to be close. We could see a, a big upset there in the power scheme when you talk about the conventional top six um so yeah it's gonna be interesting to close the year for both these clubs yeah for sure um yeah i mean this is like for me more of the same brighton are just they just impressed me and i know it's not always pretty it's not always great it's not always liquid football but on their day brighton i truly think can contend with any other team in the prem including arsenal including city we've gotten lucky this year we've played brighton pretty well but uh, they've been known to to hang City up every once in a while, play them tight, and I just I, I really do think Matoma has been such a revelation for them. Ferguson, I don't know truly if he's going to work out, but Matoma and Caicedo are both so unbelievable, and then their defense just plays really well. So regardless of who is in net for them, uh, they just they defend as a unit. They they really have bought into to Serbia. I know he's kind of and he wasn't there it was actually Maldera that was uh managing for them but uh this is such a good team it really is and I think it's great to see uh, a team that's outside of the traditional top four top six whatever you want to say uh sort of content for those European spots I know they're on 38 right now they're four points behind Liverpool and uh, conference is probably where we're going to see them but it's a good thing uh I really do think it's a good thing and I I for one really really enjoy watching brighton every week it's always it's like appointment viewing for me because they play a, a beautiful style of football exactly yeah, right there with you. i don't know if either of you caught this but this is another one of those historic matchups that is one-sided west ham has never beaten brighton in the league really uh, 12 games interesting what's more interesting well i guess not really because brighton haven't been up all that much but Really, unbeaten in 12. That is that is interesting. Um, all right, Wolves-Tottenham, Matt. This one's you as well. Yeah, this was the one where kind of caught people a little off guard, but shouldn't have because this is a typical Spursy type of thing to mm-hmm. do here. Um, you can't you can't trust them for too long because that's when they pull the rug from under, from under you. Yep. Uh, very close, 0-0 at the half. Very tight, unfortunately. Our night in signing armor. Diego Costa went down oh, and was stretched dead. off the field. Um, I think his. I did mention. I think a episode or two ago, his time was over. Um, I think his time is officially over now in the league. Yeah. Uh, it's really sad to see. Didn't didn't even manage to score a goal this year in the league, even. So um, really upset for him there. So hopefully he'll be able to come back in some type of fashion before the year ends. But. Um, prayers out to him. Uh, but we didn't even see the first goal until the 82nd minute. The winner from Adama Traore, who came on at halftime. And honestly, he's probably scored the goal of the weekend. An absolute banger of a volley. Top bins bar down. 
over the giant Fraser Forster, who doesn't seem to have the same effect as he does against Evan and Arsenal um, across a whole a full year, uh, or I should say a stretch of games, and that really closed the game. So Spurs, it's really tough for them. Pedro Poro, their new signing there from Sporting, who they loaned in, hasn't really had that impact that Emerson has had, it seems like. Um, Emerson's really picked it up since Poro's come. Um, the back line, we didn't see Dyer here. I believe he was suspended. So they didn't have to worry about those issues. And uh, my boy Oliver skipped played, but had no impact, of course, because he wasn't playing in a, in a derby. Um, so, yeah, it was really it was not too much there. That's what happens with Wolves. Uh, we'll say Jose Sa did stand on his head a bit, keeping the, keeping the clean sheet. And, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, this is the most Spursy result that you can possibly imagine. 21 shots, six of those on target. You get the lion's share of the possession. Don't put them away, and then you lose in the 82nd minute to a player who is historically one of the worst finishers the Premier League has ever seen. I, I just, I actually hate, I actually hate watching this shit because Spurs are like just sailing. Uh, they're just, I know this is how they kind of always are, but like, it's not enjo- it's not enjoyable to watch that kind of shit because I wolves like eh, I don't know I I know I'm supposed to hate Tottenham I just don't hate this team at the rate that I have hated some of the teams in the past I I really do kind of like Kane and I I really like Son as well they have Richarlison who I actually do hope dies but um this is tough because they're they're just not at full strength. And they don't have a good keeper. Like Spurs should be better than this, and I think that they all know that. Conte doesn't seem like he's. I don't know if he's not bought in or if he's just over the project or what. They don't spend money. It's just I don't know. It, it's fucking. It's it's almost boring, you know, to watch them perform like this, and it does suck. I I, I don't know. It, it is that's, ugly. I think that's a common trend. A uh, common trend is. Uh... People really don't enjoy watching Spurs. I think that's a common thing I'm hearing from a lot of people. But I like, want them to be better so that when Arsenal body bagged them, it feels better. You I think it should, I mean? it should feel good no matter what. I guess. But when, I, Chelsea, when Chelsea beats, like, uh, I, can, I consider out of all the teams, I hate Spurs the most. And then maybe next would be like Arsenal. But yeah, I mean, regardless of if they're good or not, a rivalry is a rivalry. I hate Chelsea more. Then I think Spurs. I hate Tottenham. Yeah, I do but think that Liverpool, way. Liverpool's your top. Liverpool's number one, and I know Arsenal don't have like a huge rival rivalry against them. But... You just is it more so towards Klopp and United too? I I kind of hate them as well, which is interesting <laughs> because as a kid I didn't, I really did, I rated them, I liked them a lot because they had yeah. a lot of players that I liked. But now we were all in that camp. Yeah, because but but here's the thing, like, and I've explained this phenomenon to a lot of people. You know, if you wanted to watch uh, the Premier League, and it was the Barclays Premier League, which was just lovely. I, I love that. I hope. I wish it goes back to that. When you watched, if you wanted to watch on a Saturday morning, who was on? It was United, right? Pretty yeah. much every weekend because it was Ronaldo, and it was. I mean, even when I started watching, Beckham was still there. PK was there. It was Fergie, like. That's who you watched, and now it's you know those things have changed. It's such a different different team and different culture, uh, and I I do sort of hate them. There's some players I like, but 
it is Liverpool that I hate the most because the fans came out of the woodwork when they won the Champions League. Uh, and it's, it's, fa- it's fakeness, and I don't like it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Zach, anything to add on Spurs being Spurs? Yeah. Uh, I can't really add much after you guys just got all your hate out. Sorry. <laughs> Harry I'm kind of a little offended after that. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> How about this? Butter, butter you up. Harry Kane, a, a top priority to come into United in the summer? I don't want that. With his contract winding down? I don't know if he'll be the guy. Um, Are you all in on Vout? Are uh, you, you fully want... buying him out from Burnley? I mean, no. Vout might be faster Who's... than Kane. I, I he, he's a dog. That. All I said, all I see here is Wolves nicking points and showing why they stay up in the league because they're willing to pounce on these teams who uh, who falter. Yeah. And I mean, they're they're one of them themselves, but they can at least get their act together with the uh, with a lucky Triore goal. Maybe not lucky, but exactly. one that went at home, nevertheless. Let me tell you right now who United should sign, and you'll immediately. You will immediately have more goal scoring threat. Olivier Giroud, he's rotting on the bench in, I agree. in Milan. I think I, I like that. I truly I, I think like that if you guys got Giroud, the the amount of goals that were scored, uh, it would take a little bit of pressure off of Rashford, which I don't even know if you want to do that at this point because he's been so good. But you just need like a really gifted finisher, not not even somebody fancy up top. You know what I mean? And I think yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just gonna wait and see who Ten Hag scouts, and I'm gonna trust his judgment because I like what he's doing right now. Uh, yeah, well, you, I, you got a, you, you got somebody on your team that had a Ballon d'Or clause on your squad, so yeah. I mean, you guys are gonna Martial get Miguel under- and Sancho have been training with our uh, finishing coach, who I don't think you guys are aware of. So I'm not. He's been, I mean, he's been working right now. He's I mean, just been hurt all year. If we want to go down the dark path, we. We could open talks up to Greenwood again. Yeah. I don't know. He's having a child now. Did you see that? With a different girl? Or the nah, same, girl? same one, man. Yeah. Uh, it's all it's good. Interesting, right? I, I well, think we got to get back on track here. Yeah, oh. we should. All right. <laughs> um, We had... Oh, man. I, I've lost my place. Oh, uh, yes. Southampton Leicester. won. Leicester City nil. Carlos Alcaraz, not the tennis star. Uh, scored in the 35th. That was the lone goal in this one. Uh, the story, pretty much, being that Southampton just outplayed Leicester when they had the ball. They didn't have the ball for that much time, but they were able to work uh, five successful attacks, five shots on target to Leicester's nil. Um, and it's just the same old story. When Leicester don't score early, they're not going to really ever get anything out of a game. Um this is a team that is capable of opening up the floodgates. Madison is in there. Iannaccio was in great form. I think Tete is another player who is extremely dynamic. But if you can't get it going early for Leicester, it's just never going to get going. They put their heads down after the goal in the 35th. Uh, and Southampton take all three points in an extremely important matchup. When you look at these two teams, Leicester on 24 points, uh, just three points ahead of Southampton. So... Another result where Southampton win and Leicester lose, and those two teams are level, things get shaken up down there at the bottom. Leicester were good for a minute, but I think we may be seeing them slip back into old habits. Zach? Yeah, I didn't watch this one. I, I kind of oh, fall, yeah. fall asleep when I think of both of these teams. Yeah. 
Yeah, Southampton got another win. That's pretty good for keeping them up. They picked up a win here. I know they got a win over Chelsea. So two wins, make two wins over Chelsea this year, yep. making a case to stay up. Maybe, maybe. I'm kind of I'm kind of glad Chelsea did that because I, I want to see James Ward-Prowse in the league. Yeah. Um, he did let me down though. He missed another pen. He's had two pens this year and he missed them both. So he's more of a free uh, kick guy though. Yeah. yeah. Well, a set piece is a set piece, is it not? Yeah, yeah. That, that's why Kai Havertz can't score because Chelsea just they they suffer so much on set pieces. They gotta send oh. them, you know. He he scored on a technicality this oh. time yesterday. Oh yeah, man, that was it was t- a technicality for sure. That's the only way he's gonna score. So I mean, a goal is a goal at the end of the day. Um, yeah. The man who scored Alcaraz. Oh, did you guys see the celly, the knee slide? Yeah, it was he hard. Injured himself. Yeah, <laughs> very very hard. One of the most truly the one of the toughest things you can do is injure yourself uh, doing a celly. That's goes to show how much you care. I would, yeah. I think the talk is more about uh, the celly and our and should. What are our thoughts on knee slides? I think that's more enticing than the, what would happen in this game here for both teams. Everybody should be grittying like it's a 16th minute goal in every foot champs game I have ever played. That just gritty. You're not going to get injured during the gritty. That that's you know the knee slide scares me every single time somebody does it. Doesn't matter how in shape they are, it scares me. Every knee time slide era, your heart, you your heart goes to your ass. Yeah. Knee slide era. I mean, it's always going to stick around, but I think it's all but gone. And yeah. the last great knee slider, in my opinion, was Henri. I think Evan would mm-hmm. agree with that. Mm-hmm. Some of the most passionate knee slides I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I think some of the best ones I saw so from Hazard. Hazard was good at it. It was good at it. It's all about the turf that you play on, right? Like the wetter the turf is, yeah. the easier it is, and you just have to make sure that you don't dig your um your your boots in because that's like <laughs> that's when you get pulled over or one of your legs yeah. goes and one of them stops. It's a, it feels like an easy way to fuck up a, a quad or a groin. I know if I did that shit, I I'd be hurting. Something something would snap. Yeah, it's um, all that. It's one of those things. It's all about technique and a little bit of your balancing your weight. So yeah. Um, but yeah, massive three points for Southampton. It gives them that little bit more of hope. Oh, after the goal, we saw a lot of those guys go over and celebrate with Celes. So I think that's good. That's something they've needed for a while, especially after the short time they had with Nathan Jones, who had a problem with them. Anything they did wrong, but when they did anything right, it was all his doing. So yeah. that's positive for them. And I'm really happy that Chelsea's playing Leicester next game because um, they failed to score in their last three. Yeah, tough, tough, tough stuff there. All right, Matt, what did you think of Nottingham Forest 2, Everton 2? You know, we all a predicted banger. this game. We we all predicted this game correctly. We all picked a draw. Uh, the only thing wrong was, uh, Evan, You, I listened back. You said you were going to hammer the button to death uh, on the under. And so. I did, and I paid for it. Yeah, but I, I think that's fair because nobody saw three goals in the first 30 minutes here. We saw Damari Gray in the 10th minute on a pen, uh, fortunate for them early on. Uh, replied nine minutes later from Brennan Johnson, who has sneakily had a really good year. He's been flying under the radar. Um, maybe a key person to keeping them up, just like he was last year and getting them promoted. Uh, and then a man uh, that had very little time whatsoever under Lampard, but under Sean Dice has had an absolute massive comeback. And Abdelai Ducore, he scores, assisted by. 
a former Burnley lad, Michael Keane. That second goal, though, was prime Burnley ball. It was a long free kick uh, to the back end of the box. Tarkowski back across. Keane flicks on, and then Ducore with a header into the bottom of the goal. It was that was that was vintage. That was that just that embodied this game in general. We had, I believe, eight cards in total. Very chippy game. Uh, a few subs coming from from Forest, and uh, we saw Emmanuel Dennis, who I think definitely needs to play more. He came in. Ryan Yates, club captain, came in for Jack Colback, and then we also saw um winner signing Andre Ayew back in the Prem now with Forest their 33rd signing of the year he didn't really have too much of an impact but Yates did he assisted Johnson on the second the equalizer and that's how the game ended and I would say this is a massive point more so for Forest obviously it keeps them four points clear of the drop uh, and Everton occupy that 18th position with only 22 points so um big point I would say for Everton because uh, earning a point at Forest seems to be tough this year, yeah. Uh, and then and then Forest, as I already mentioned, keeping that bit of a margin there. Um, so yeah, it was it it was a, a draw we saw, but not in the in the fashion that it, it uh, occurred. Yeah, that's the truth. Uh, the one thing I want to say is it does seem that maybe my uh, my prediction about about Brennan Johnson uh, could have been correct. I mean this this guy he he's grinding it out. He he's working hard for Forrest, and it seems to me that he's sort of like the one constant um, that you can kind of rely on for a goal, which is a good thing. It's good that Forrest are finding an identity a little bit. You know what I mean? He's got seven goals on the on the year now. Yeah, and I th- I feel like six, five or six of them have been within the last ten fixtures or so. So he's in great form. Uh, I think that's a good thing. You know, Nottingham Forest they're they're going if they want to do anything in this league. Uh, they have to develop an identity, and I do think that uh, at this point, Brennan Johnson sort of seems, you know, in- integral to to that identity that they're forming. So, very pleased with that. Uh, I don't think either of these teams are going to be too disappointed, especially because Nottingham Forest are such a hard team to take points off of. Um, but yeah, Zach, do you have anything to add for this one before I- we're going to turn this next one over to you? No, I was just gonna. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> No, I was just gonna add uh, about Brennan Johnson. Yeah, there's that uh, he's making a case for why Steve Cooper didn't drop him from yeah. the team amongst like the thirty signings they made over the summer and January. Yeah, yeah he's that's been good. one of the he's been one of the constants. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, it obviously it means something for Steve Cooper. It, it it's good to see that. You know, and maybe it's it speaks to his uh <clears throat> his talent or proclivity to uh find young talents i think that's a good thing um for your manager to sort of have steve that. cooper also in matt size the early front runner for ugliest manager in the league no not early he is he is, no, he is. undoubtedly he is. I, it's already been decided then okay i think uh, i listen to other podcasts ah uh, he is an cool. ugly bastard to be fair when we <laughs> when we get into the summer window when the the league's on break when we run out of ideas i think those are the type of conversations we're going to end up having is um, the ugliest manager, the who would win in a fist fight out of the 20 of them, those type of conversations. Just Well, if Everton up. stay up, I think I know who I'm picking. Yeah, I think I'd take him as well. I feel like he's killed multiple people in barroom brawls. Yeah, but uh, yeah, for Johnson, you mentioned his streak. He scored five goals in his last seven in the league. That's fantastic. Really, really good. Okay. Um, 
Zach, I know you probably don't want to talk about this, but I will be handing you Liverpool 7, Manchester United nil. Now this game was just a reality check. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't what I was thinking at the end of the first half. The the first half, it was still it still could have gone either way. It was only one nil, surprisingly, at halftime here. It was uh, Gakpo in the forty third, who's Liverpool's new Gakpo. He's their big game or their, their new Gakpo, their new Origi. He's uh, their big game player uh, for for the season to, right now. I think I have to object to that. Okay. Well, Origi is Origi. There's nobody that beats him. I think Gakpo has has fulfilled their role at least as a, a big back. player, and he's showing his value. Yeah. Uh, and he showed it here with a brace in this game. But yeah, he scored one in the first half. It, this game really could have gone either way. It was it was back and forth. I think Liverpool ended up having a bit more of the ball at halftime, though. We were welcoming their attack, and they were welcoming our attack with their shoddy defense as evan mentioned earlier and then we kick off right into the second half and it just picks up 47th minute 50th minute 66th minute 75th 83rd 88th all the six goals that came in the second half there to make it 7-0 it was after it was 2-0 it just got out of hand and i think all the players for united just let the game plan slip out the window and got carried away by their emotions and after the changes were made, there wasn't really anything that could be done to stop it. It was just all in the fans' hands at that point, demanding more goals. Five, we want five, we want six, we want seven. Um, but yeah, I would say this game was just a reality check. Um, I don't think it can really be swept under the rug. There are lessons to be learned from it, but we have to move on. We're still in Europa League, still in the FA Cup, and still fighting to stay top four in the league. So season's not over with this one. In in the end, United still have a shot to win more trophies. And Liverpool, all they can really hang their hat on right now is they have the We Beat Man United award. Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, I I don't take a lot from this. I'll, I'll be totally honest. I've watched a lot of United. Regrettably, I've watched a lot of Liverpool. United are a good team. They have all bought into Ten Hag's system. Zach and I were talking about this the other day. I think Casemiro is probably signing of the season. He's been unreal. I think, truly, on another day, if you replay this, even at Anfield, I don't think this game is even remotely similar. The players quit after the first two goals. They were tired after the first half because they tightly contested it. And they, they just put their heads down after after the second goal, you know? Um, and it's easy to do that when they score right before halftime and then right after halftime. I totally see why that happens. I'm not making excuses, but the floodgates just opened. You know, Nunez is really hard to contain. Salah is ex- extremely hard to contain. I don't think the defense played great. You know, there was a mistake um, that Varane made. Mar- Martinez just not really going to be able to keep up with any of these players, but I I just don't think this is such an outlier for me, a seven nil pumping of United. They just didn't Worst have league loss all time. Yeah. They just didn't have their shit, you know, on the day, like it, this kind of shit happens. And 
People are like Liverpool are back. They're back. They're they're you know this is what we expect every week now. I just don't buy that shit, man. They, trust me, this is not indicative of who Liverpool are this season. The clean sheet doesn't mean anything to me. What what's the fucking point of scoring if you're already down five nil? You know what I mean? Um, this one just it, it doesn't move me. It really doesn't. And I think I I hope that Ten Hag. Uh, you know, walks walked into the locker room after this one and just said, "Ah, you got fucked. Go to the next one." Like that, I think that's really all you can do because he's been so good, um, in the past. I guess really three months now at this point, two months. Um, I don't think United can can hang their heads after this one. I I just think this is an outlier and this kind of shit does happen. You know. Um, I'm looking here. When Liverpool play United at Anfield, the last five times Liverpool on aggregate have outscored United sixteen to one. So, oh boy, um, that's a stat in itself. But uh, I, th- I also saw something else. There was some sort of stat. I don't remember it entirely. I, I, I don't know if either of you saw this, but it, was, it had to do with Mo Salah getting ye- more yellow cards for taking his shirt off compared to something else. I don't know if you guys saw something like that. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. He, like he, yeah, it's one of those things. I thought he he enjoys beating United. That's the one team it seems like he just loves scoring on. Um, he also set the record for all time leading Liverpool scorer in this game. Broke Robbie Fowler's record. Well, yes, one twenty six, I think. So that's another accolade for him. But yeah, it's um. The dropping points was inevitable at this point, I think. Um, not inevitable, but it was... Well, yes, inevitable, but it was coming. The The squad depth needs work, and we're getting new ownership, so next season we'll be able to actually spend money on players that we need instead of loaning a select few to fill in the holes. And I just think, I, I told you the other day, I mean, I think it's a miracle that we've got guys back in the team like Fred putting on the, the shifts that they are. So yeah. not something to, to beat ourselves over with. Totally fair. I guess uh, that's it for for that drubbing. We'll move on to our final game of the week. This has been a long show. Uh, Brentford 3, Fulham 2. A very, very eventful game at the Brentford G-Tech Community Stadium in London. Ethan Pinnock Started the game early with a goal in the 6th. Monar Solomon scored in the 39th. Ivan Tony with a penalty in the 53rd. Matthias Jensen with another in the 85th. And it was over uh, for Fulham at that point. Carlos Vinicius uh, scored in the you know stoppage time at the end. But uh, this game was kind of a mess. There was maybe some questions that Tony should have been sent off before he was even able to take that penalty. Uh, some, you know, pundits were, were speaking about that. Others were speaking about how truly pedestrian Mitrovic was. I mean, his heat map was insane. He wasn't even moving around the pitch. It was a really, oh, yeah. really disappointing performance from Mitrovic in this one. Um, but, but a really good result for Brentford. I, I don't know. I don't really remember who I took in this one. I thought it'd be tight. Yeah. I, I thought it'd be tight. Um, but Brentford, they really looked the better team in this one. They've got two wins in their last five, the other three results being draws, and Fulham now uh, putting a damper on their form with a loss here against another really good side. Mm-hmm. Zach? Yeah, this this was a, was a messy game. 
I ended up getting this one right, taking a Brentford at home. I just thought that was a safer pick. And uh, it ended up being that way. I just figured Tony's on the field. He's starting. He's at home. He'll bang in some goals. Sure enough, he did. Personally, the, the gambling situation, uh, I mean, the FA doesn't really have a ruling on it. So yeah. I guess it makes sense. But that should have been dealt with better. Uh, but he's still on the field, and he's admitted to it. So I guess he's confessed to his crimes, and, he, and he's okay. Yeah. I mean, the precedent has been there that we've seen Joey Barton under similar situations be out for 10 matches or something. Trippier, we also saw more recently. He had to sit out for a short period of time. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's very weird how the whole situation's being handled there. He did score um, a penalty, 22 out of 22 for Brentford, uh, 10 out of 10 in the Prem. So, I mean, the guy is... I mean, it's it's not even an argument. He's the best penalty taker in the league. Yeah. Um, at such it's a, a good high free kick in this game too. Yeah, the Pereira one um, off the crossbar and the Solomon rebound, and then the the ninety eighth minute goal for Vinicius, just off a Raya mistake, if you will, just putting out the he saved the original shot and then giving up the rebound that probably killed people's. Uh, any type of betting in that sense but um, yeah I just felt strongly about Brentford being favored here with no Paulinho I mean they really struggled in the midfield battle and they couldn't get Tete and Robinson into those more attacking positions that we're used to seeing them in uh, more frequently we saw it in the in the garbage time when it was 3-1 when it didn't really matter but um, it was really tough and then we all know Mitrovic has been battling an ankle issue all the way, even a little bit before the World Cup. So it's really tough for him because their success relies on him. We know that from previous campaigns. We know that from last year, getting them back to the Prem and obviously at the start of the year too. So uh, the only positive spot for them is Solomon. That man is a is lethal. Four straight games with a goal. He forced his way into the starting lineup here over De Cordova Reed. I think Fulham is one of the most consistent teams when it comes to picking a, a starting 11. The the only changes they really make is is uh, Diop and Tosin, and then now Solomon for Reed. So it's uh, very interesting to see the difference in their play. So uh, they do have one more game without Paulinho on suspension. So uh, And then I think it's against Arsenal too, so it's not looking good for them. Yeah, truth. All right, Zach, do you have anything to add there before we move on to our predictions for the week? Not really. I'm ready to get these predictions. All right, beautiful. Up first, we have Bournemouth taking on Liverpool Saturday, March 11th. Uh, you know, closer to the top of the heap versus dead bottom uh, in this one. I'm going to take Liverpool. I'm pondering the idea of Liverpool dropping points away here. As crazy as that sounds. But, well, you know, I'm going to send it. Liverpool draw. Bournemouth, Liverpool draw. I'm I going mean, guns blazing out the gate. We did see Bournemouth pick up a draw a couple matches ago against Newcastle. That caught people off guard. Um, they're going to be really shot mentally after that Arsenal result. But um, we've seen desperate teams get points when it matters. Southampton, Everton, getting massive wins. Um, Everton specifically getting that win against Arsenal. 
at home as well. So it isn't out of the question for them to do something here, but uh, I think I still have to ride with Liverpool. I mean, going finishing a game 7-0, it's really tough to think that they're not going to do something here. The only possibility, possibility may be they will have a rotated team going into the Champions League game where they need to win by four goals. So I think I give a little bit of credit there for to Zach thinking the, the draw maybe, but I'm going to back did, Liverpool. I did get one extra result on you guys last week, so I think I'm going to um, That was. I think that was one here. I'm going to take my shot. It was Liverpool over Wolves. We had draws there. Okay, Leeds United versus Brighton. I'm next. This one's tough. Uh, Matt, who you got here? I don't really see it tough. I think Brighton are much better on the road than they are at home. And going up against Leeds, who are very out of sorts, it seems like. Um, I have to go with Brighton here. Yeah, my yeah, guts. Be... Oh, go ahead, Zach. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I thought I'd been taking the second one. I'm yeah. taking Brighton on the road here, too. Go ahead. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with a draw. I don't know. Something's, something's not right about this one to me. Uh, Leeds played all right against Chelsea last week. They've been struggling to score, but something's telling me Brighton just have an off game. I don't know what it is because their form is certainly not the thing that's telling me that, uh, but I will take a draw on this one. Just take a flyer there. <clears throat> okay, Everton uh, versus Brentford up next. Uh, up next, Zach, this one rotates to you. Who do you have first? Man, Brentford's a team that has destroyed me all season yeah. with their inconsistent form, but they they really pull it together. They can. I mean, they have as of recent. They're on the road here. We were saying Everton gets results at home. So, uh, nah, I'm taking Brentford. <laughs> okay. Thank yeah. God. Misled you the whole time. Zach? I'll, I'll let you, I'll, I'll make it easier for you guys. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, am I up? Yeah. Uh, I'm going with a draw here. I'm back in Sean Dice. This is going to be a, a, one of the ugliest games. Uh, there, there may be at least another seven cards, but I think Ev- Everton's fans scrape a point for them. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Brentford as well. Uh, I'm going to ride with Zach. I know this is probably not something I should do. Uh, I know his luck with them is not great, but you know, I just I think-, think Brentford are a better team. I think it. I when I, I think I've updated the the points or the records to where now you have a worse record with Brentford by one. I game. do. Great. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Brentford. You gotta. <laughs> you gotta remember here though. Sean Dyche does give all Burnley players a boost to their attributes, and Ben Mee it will be on the field. So I'm expecting oh, a Ben Mee goal in this one. This is an emotional return for him. Yeah, it is emotional. A lot of passion. Playing his there. former boss. Yeah, you're five and nineteen with Brentford, Zach six and eighteen. Okay, that's fucking awful. It's a little shocking. So I'm gonna take them, rightfully <laughs> so. Okay, um, Leicester City versus Chelsea up next. This one's cut and dry. It goes back to me. I'm gonna take Chelsea. I think I, this is insane to say. I think they win it in a route. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. This is insane. I I don't know the last time they routed anybody, but. Oh, that's a good question. That's a good trivia question. When was the last time they scored more than three goals in a league game? Or in the in the in the prem or just in general? Yeah, in the prem. Has to be like last year. Uh 3-0 over Wolves, October 8th. Good lord. Yeah. We've always ago. we've only scored in all competitions this entire campaign, we've only scored 
three or more goals twice. And that was in back-to-back games with Wolves, the game I mentioned, and the game before we beat Milan 3-0 in the Champions League. That, that, that's it. Yeah, yeah I'll go with Chelsea. But, but Leicester haven't scored in three straight, so that's what I'm banking on. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Chelsea on the road here, too. Not sure if they'll get the clean sheet, though. Okay. Oh, oh excuse me. I'm yawning because it's Tottenham Forest up next. Um, this game, Tottenham versus Nottingham Forest, is at uh, Hotspur Stadium. Uh, this one I also don't like. We just watched how, how Forest played against Everton. Um, Tottenham's form, they just failed to score against Milan. Um, just now they are officially out of the Champions League. I think this lights some passion under them. They know the only thing really they have to play for right now is a better place uh, in the table and to secure Champions League spots for next year. They're they're going to have to sort of pick up a little bit. So I am going to take Tottenham in this one. I th- I think they can eke out a win against Nottingham Forest. I know things are bleak, but I do have faith in them. I'm also taking Spurs at home here. That's I think that's a big reason why my Spurs record's been good. They get their the job done at home, so I, I take them at home here, probably one or two nil win. Yeah, I think this is the easiest pick out of the lot. Um, I, I'll say this every time. I mean, Forest have only scored three goals all year on the road, given up 29. If Harry Kane doesn't have at least two here, uh, he may have to hang up the boots. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, Crystal Palace versus Man City up next. This one's easy. It's going to be City. Uh, and m- maybe that, that prophecy that Matt foretold will, will come true <laughs> off the back of this one. Palace, Palace do look like yeah. they're on the down and down now, but they managed to take points off the, the top six teams. This This is the prime bogey team. Man City can't get past Palace. It is prime bogey team, but I think that red card to Dokore, was it? Yeah, he's going to hurt him up. here. I think, uh, I think City get it done on the road. Uh, these guys played back in August. Palace did take a 2-0 lead in the first half. <laughs> at halftime, off it's Stone's own goal and Aronson, or Anderson uh, header off a corner, but then City rallied. Um, yeah, you have to go with City here. Uh, but this is this would be the game that Palace do something. So, um, And that would only help Arsenal. Yeah. Okay, uh, up next, Manchester United versus Southampton. I've never seen a game uh, that reads more clearly to me, get back game. I will take United in this one. This could be an absolute route. Rashford Hattrick is screaming at me. I got United at home here. Yeah. Uh, I'm with United, but like, there's I'm on the edge of my seat from going to like a draw because... I just think Southampton are a bit scrappy here. I don't know. They definitely play better on the road. And I think United right now are a bit flustered after that 7-0. But, yeah, I got to back United. This is going to be a few days after our Europa League game on Thursday. so Short rest. Yeah. Team will be rotated, but I think we'll get it done. Okay, cool. Uh, West Ham versus Aston Villa up next. Uh, both of these teams play blue, yellow, red kits. Uh, this is always an ugly kit clash, regardless of what what kit either team wears. I'm going to go with light blue. I'm going to take Villa in this one. Even though West Ham have looked better to me in recent weeks, I, I still think Villa 
uh, are in better shape right now, and I think they win this game. I will be taking a draw here. I don't. I do this every week. I exposed you guys with your Brentford pick, but I'm five and nineteen picking Villa. I think I'm. What'd you pick, Evan? I picked Villa. And then, okay. I originally, I originally picked a draw, but I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna back. No, no, I'm staying true. I'm gonna go with the draw. I'm gonna go with the draw. Uh, I think we're past the point though for for West Ham to get rid of Moyes because I don't see somebody coming in with 12 games left and saving them in a way. Yeah, the window is closed. I agree. I totally agree. So I'm gonna it, take a draw. I think they made the decision to keep him a while ago. Yeah, I don't know about that. Unfortunate for them, to be honest. Yeah, I think come the start of the new year, the new season, if they stay up, he'll leave. He should just yeah. leave by himself. Like he should just say, like, "All right, guys, I, I've I've been pretty shit this past year. Like, good luck." And just he'll go. Def- he'll definitely get a new job quick. He could manage any club he wants in Scotland. Like he should just go back to Scotland, in my opinion. And and if uh, if he has to work his way back up, then he has to do it. Like it is what it is. But I I just don't know if Moise is like. I know they had that West Ham had that really good finish the one year. It was last year, I guess. Two years they finished sixth and seventh, I think. Yeah, like that's pretty good for West Ham, but I don't know. I I just don't think he has like what it takes to instill the sort of winning mentality that a team needs. Uh, they got to go for somebody a little bit more passionate, a little bit more rigorous. I think the game's passed him a bit. I do. I do think the game has passed him by a bit. You think of the other greatest Scottish manager ever, like, and just an absolute fucking bastard in every way, you know? But certainly the greatest manager ever, you know, Ferguson. But it's just crazy to look at both sides of the Scottish coin. (laughs) One is is Fergie and one is, uh, and one is David Moyes. It's, It's truly insane. Okay, let's move on. Fulham uh, against Arsenal Sunday, March 12th. This one at Craven Cottage. I think uh, one of the coolest stadiums in the entire league. I know it's old, but it's right along the river there. Such a really cool spot. Uh, I think Arsenal win this one, but I don't know if it's going to be as easy as the last two results. I'm taking Arsenal. I think they'll keep rolling. Yeah, all right. I think it's going to go pretty much the same way the the Brentford game went. Um, Brentford just really just destroyed Fulham, especially in that first half, and I think Arsenal could do that tenfold, so I think Arsenal here. Okay. Uh, And then we have one more game. What is it? Oh, yes. Newcastle versus Wolves. If I had to pick, I'd just pick an under. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about this one? Uh, oh, I'll take the helm. I got Newcastle here. I think Newcastle go up early. They might bag a couple, but they will not get the clean sheet. Damn, I was hoping you were going to say something different because you're the, the Wolves whisperer. No, I, I got Newcastle here. I'm on the opposite too. end. I'm going road dog here. I think Wolves win. I think Newcastle are shitting it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly possible. I think um, I think I'm going to go with with a draw, I, we're going to split it here. I, I don't want to go with Wolves. I don't trust them enough. And then Newcastle, same way. I just don't trust them to score that much. So I, this could be nil-nil or a 1-1. I, I don't see an eruption for either of these teams. This is a 
this is a make a wish game for Costa. The boys are going to win for Costa. Yeah. All right. Uh, that is everything from us. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post Twenty Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm sure we're all headed off to eat dinner. Thank you guys. You know, again, um, I'll have more news on my dental situation within the coming weeks. It, it, it's looking bleak, boys. You, you may be hearing more of Zach than you would have previously thought come this fall. Um, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening again. Uh, stay safe. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll talk to you soon.